I don't know, like the the news items around hybrid casual have started to increase in frequency, which is kind of uh, interesting. Nice. Uh, and, and what what are they calling they're it? They're calling it hybrid casual. <laughs> nice. You won, man. You won. <laughs> Hello there, listener, and welcome to the 21st Roundstable episode of the Metacast. My name is Nico, I'm your host today, and I'm joined by Manu and Aaron. We have the Navic crew together, and before we jump into this fair warning, we are not as prepared as usual. <laughs> that is uh, partially my fault. I've, uh, I've I've done like now my first week at uh, Bitcraft, and it's been uh, relatively busy. There's a lot of information for me to digest, so I haven't had time to really... Uh, do a good job at, at prepping these. So um, yeah, we're gonna wing it a little bit, and and if we suck, very very sorry for that. Uh, if if you like this, whatever we come up with today, then uh, please let us know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, apart from me uh, having a new job for a week, nothing new. What's up with you guys, Manu? What, what's happening, man? Uh, a lot is happening, dude. Um, I don't even know where to begin. A lot of consulting work, uh-huh. a lot of report writing. Um, a lot of meetings. Uh, ooh, yeah, my days are busy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds riveting. It's, yes. <laughs> and, you know, <clears throat> yeah, trying to get like some time to just, you know, have a life on the side, mm. I guess. <laughs> uh, I watched um, The Chestnut Man a little bit on Netflix, which is this, uh, I think it's based in uh, Cop- Copenhagen. And quite a nice show if you like uh, murder mysteries. Okay, so, yeah. haven't heard of it. Mm. I might might be checking it out. What's new with you, Aaron? Um, I mean, similar to Manu, just working on all of the things. Um, and I know you said that you know we're we're. I mean, you said we're winging it a bit. We're winging this entirely. I have absolutely yes. no idea <laughs> what we're going <laughs> to be talking about. Um, and I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, but I mean, we basically told you, like, hey, I don't have time to prep. So, so yeah, this will be an interesting version of the Metacast. But I'm really excited just to chat about, you know, anything and everything. All right. Um, but, yeah, I'm also curious, Nico, to hear about, like, your first week at BitCraft. How has, like, all the, the onboarding been um, and starting to acclimate with that team? Uh, very exciting. As I said multiple times now, um, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of information and I, I currently feel like, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the least smart person in the room, um, which is, you know, it's, it's encouraging or, or I don't know, exciting, um, it's scary as well, uh, but I'm sure I'll catch up <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so there, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, we're focused on the, the, the blockchain and game space and that space is red hot right now. The, you know, valuations mm. raises are, are out of this world, um, like I do the same. If I was a founder in the blockchain space, I'd be raising right now and I'd be raising for a lot of money and not giving, giving away too much, basically. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, if you look at, for example, what uh, Andreessen Horowitz is doing, they're they're like launching fund after fund, hiring extra, you know, crypto, uh, blockchain gaming yeah. people. Uh, anyway, so there's a lot mm. of happening in the VC world. Uh, hard to catch up. Mm. One question I was quite curious about, like, um, you know, when someone new join a, joins a, a VC team, then... Like how much of a uh, recalibration of, you know, your personal thesis or your way of thinking behind a space needs to happen to match like the VC that you actually join? Mm. 
or is it like more recalibration on the VCs and to fit to the new member they actually brought in? Mm. How does that balance like play out? I think you you can ask this question to me again in a few months, and I'll, I'll probably be able to get a better answer. For now, what I feel like is um, usually you have uh, analysts um, and, and who are just doing the initial due diligence on a company, and they're then presenting it, and then there's an investment committee making the the, the decision. And so I guess mm. from what I from what I see now, I can probably look at deals or at companies the same way I would do otherwise probably be more diligent in in researching them and then i just present them to the investment committee um mm. and they they take the the, the decision um that said i mean we, we talk about deals together so um i'm i'm learning a lot about how, how people think and you can already see how how different people uh like what they pay attention to um so mm. as i said like it's only been a week it's been a lot of a lot to take in so uh probably be able to give you a better answer in a in a in a while yeah, but sounds like basically uh, everyone's knife uh, gets sharpened even more. Yes, hundred uh, uh, percent together. So, there's no one. Yeah. There's no one who. I mean, at least I don't think it happened in in, in Bitcraft where you join if you invested before, and then and then it's it becomes like less rigorous um, or less diligent, mm. right? It's yep. it's it's always yeah. an upgrade. I feel. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, Moving on from that, so the first topic I'd, I'd like, to, like to talk about, so it's something I was uh, super, super, super excited about, uh, like almost two months ago, which was Loot. I think I think it's exactly today, two months old. So um, if you haven't heard our talk about Loot, I'll give a small, a very fast summary. And if, if you want to learn more, go back like eight episodes or something. Um, basically, it was <laughs> a, or is a um, NFT project where it was dropped by Dom Hoffman, who was the founder of uh, Vine, the Vine app. Uh, and he does another like a bunch of other stuff, and so he basically released eight thousand um, NFTs, and the NFTs were text-based NFTs, and they basically represented uh, they were like a black picture with white text with like gear, basically a list of eight items. There was like a head, a piece of headgear. It's like a weapon. Um, there's like a robe or or like uh, armor or whatever. Uh, you had like shoes, necklace, ring, etc. So eight pieces of of armor or uh, equipment, um, and then it was like do with it whatever you want. And so everyone started freaking out because this turned the original or the standard development process on its head. And the expectation or the hope or the dream was that, you know, thousands of people would, you know, band together and start building amazing things um, on, on top of this. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to talk about or give you an update on what happened in the past two months on uh, what dreams or hopes uh, did not really come true. Um, mm. well, one thing that's, that's quite important to know that makes loots different from a lot of other, other NFTs is that, um, so most NFTs, um, for example, a board ape yacht club, which are very popular NFTs that go for about like say 120 K or something. Um, mm. the NFT itself is, so it's recorded on a blockchain, but the only data that's recorded to a blockchain is actually a pointer. It's a link. And that link goes through um, the IPFS, so the interplanetary file system, which is another type of blockchain that actually stores data. Um, and there's actually the image and the attributes of that ape. Of that, So basically, mm. it's like a pointer. And if you follow that pointer, you see the image. And that's the way you can actually in OpenSea, you know, see what NFT you have or in any other wallet. That's the way it works. And so one of the cool yeah. things of um, Loot is that the data itself is encoded in the NFT, which makes it a lot more interesting mm -hmm. because... Um, so if you send me the proof of your board at the outlet, for example, from the NFT itself, without looking at the inter, like the IPFS, without looking at the link, I don't know what attributes your board ape has, 
right? I don't know if it has sunglasses mm -hmm. or it has a hat or whatever other attributes these have. With loot, one of the differences is that it's in the blockchain. So it's recorded on the blockchain, for example, that I have a katana as a weapon instead of a, a longsword or whatever. And so that makes mm. it so that you can actually start, you know, building games inside the blockchain without needing to rely on other blockchains. Um, and that's something that I didn't fully realize initially that is actually very novel and, and, and creates more potential than, than most gaming-related mm. NFTs these days. that make sense? It does. I, I think so. I mean, it's... I mean, it's I mean, it makes sense. It's just like, it's like the bleeding edge of the internet. So <laughs> it takes time for, for things to click and like really come together and, and work. Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, it's only been two months. So I, I guess I'm just curious. Like, like on a scale of like zero to 10, like, uh, like how like impressed are you with like the state of loot mm. two months in compared to what you thought yeah. you would be like has anything surprised you to the upside or the downside like like what's your take on that so my honest take is i think i'm uh probably more disappointed than than excited for of what happened um although that's a big word right also i, I don't know everything that's happening in in the background so um I'm, I, I know that there's teams working on stuff um and so right now, so basically what happened right now is um, the current state of loot is that um, there's like loot V2. So a, a few people actually took things into their own hands. They took control of the lootproject.com website, or I don't know what exactly the website is, but the, the loot website got a revamp. Mm -hmm. So some people of the community did that. Um, and so they're actually... so. Basically, there was a project which is called Genesis Loot, and they had like they had invented a game which was kind of interesting. So the game was that every piece of loot, as I said, it had like a weapon, a, a ring, a necklace, shoes, etc. And so some of these mm -hmm. were like, um, let's say, katana of power, or um, ring of vitriol, for example. And so these things with off, so like of power, of titans, of vitriol, of giants. Um, so they made a game where you could actually from your loot bag distill these specific items so basically if you had a ring of power you could distill mm -hmm. that ring of power power and you would receive a new nft so you had your original loot bag and then you had because it had a ring of power you had your ring of power and then so that was called genesis mana so that the nft was called genesis mana and if you had a full equipment list which one the the one the one that's created after exactly that's so Genesis you have your mana. original okay. loot bag which is an nft and then you have the ring of power which is also an nft and so that what they then did was you could res resurrect as they call it a genesis uh, a genesis adventurer and a genesis adventurer mm. was basically the equipment list with all of the same um types so of power so for example you, you would have like a weapon of power you have you would have a hat of power you have a ring you had shoes um, etc so you had to have the full list of power and then you could resurrect a genesis adventure and these were um these are even like way more rare i think there are only a maximum of two thousand instead of eight thousand um so that was the genesis game and so you could actually do that and so there was a market for these you know these genesis mana which means that like if for example, I have a, a bunch of loot bags, um, but I couldn't combine them together to make a Genesis adventure, but I could sell my, my Genesis mana NFTs. And so there's a market for that, and there's people selling that for multiple uh, ETH. Um, anyway, mm. so that was like a little mini game. But so these people that created that game, they actually um, started, uh, so they took, took like control of the loot project, um, and they started combining different um, 
different projects together. So you have like Genesis loot, mm. but you also have realms. Realms is like little worlds. Um, so basically each loot bag holder could create a realm and a realm is like a world and each world has like, you know, c certain resources and you can start, you know, and, and then basically realms is now becoming like is some kind of city management game where you have your realm and then you mm. have like resources and you can like mine ore and then you have like an income. Um, but it's still like, it's all being developed. Right. Um, so mm. my, my main con well, problem or concern is that it's very suddenly very distributed and so each team that builds their own little project is very focused on advancing that project more than advancing the whole loot um lootverse mm -hmm. or metaverse or however you want to call it um and mm. i feel like so in general i i had hoped better for for like from like um i guess distributed uh development or the, the, this, the dis distributed community up building of games. Um, it seems like there's still people, you know, doing their own stuff and it's, it's probably natural, right? Mm -hmm. They're more incentivized to work on their own little project, um, but they're all pushing forward their own thing instead of the whole, the whole space. I have the impression. I mean, you, you could, you could like, it's probably like a philosophical point, but you could argue that um, since like all these distributed projects are anyway, like rooted in that, initial loot nft and even if that initial loot nft gets broken out into its different parts or whatever but it's still all getting built on those it's still like encompassing within the loot verse yes. in a way right okay. i mean that, that that was also kind of uh at least based on that um discussion that you guys had you know eight episodes back or whatever <laughs> uh i mean it did feel like um that was also part of the motivation to do this project like this, right? Um, essentially, just put something out there and like let the community go wild on it. Which, um, I mean, at least based on what you're saying, it sounds like that's kind of playing mm. out to some extent. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Um, mm. th yeah, I guess I'm, I'm probably biased because I'd hoped that I would do more with the loot bags itself. So basically what they almost all did was they mm. had like some derivative and then they're working with that. You know, it's probably because they mm -hmm, had to mm. find a way to get more of these these derivatives themselves or something. So the incentives are mm. more in their favor. I don't know. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think this this might be, you know, the natural ways way for these things to, to, to move forward. Um, and I feel you like right fair. now these projects are probably just um, using loot as ready to to work with community right there's like a bunch of people who mm. have these bags and they're like ah you can use your bags to do this and once you have you know these new types of nfts then like they already have like a, a community that's incentivized and ready to start playing um yeah that's a bit what i'm feeling I right wonder now. if like uh i wonder if like you know upgrade structures etc kind of get built into like these projects like only if you've participated in this project can you actually like you know help us in this one and things like kind of like because it's like building up on mm. each other in a way uh which kind of uh maybe there's like this you know prestige element uh that the community builds into mm -hmm. some of the projects which could be kind of interesting um but yeah that's 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 cool yeah yeah they could in hindsight <clears throat> do you think that loot was too scarce like not enough people had it so it led to maybe like too many derivatives and therefore too many people working on it in a scattered way if they had changed like something about you know the economic policy the scarcity something at the very beginning mm. would it have led to a different outcome do you think it's a really good question um i i, I don't know i really don't know um 8000 
it's, it's very hard to assess you know these numbers right what if it was sixteen thousand what if it was eighty thousand um I feel yeah. like around the ten thousand mark is like for some reason it's like a good number in in the crypto world so most of the original profile pick collections are all around ten thousand you know the crypto punks are ten thousand um it feels like a, a a decent number because like in, like there's a reason why you would go lower let's say in in a world where there's only two hundred loot backs like at that point you would know. You could, you could know everyone who had one and like you could literally t talk to each other and start saying, okay, I want you to do this and I would like you to do that. Um, there's this concept mm -hmm. called the Dunbar number. Um, I don't have like a formal def definition, but it, I think it's like around like how many people in a group um, you could have before you have too many that you, you can know each other, right? Um, and then yeah. if, mm -hmm. if you go to like 80,000, then it becomes like free for all. Um, so I guess the attempt yeah. there was made to increase the number by having more loot or M loot. Um, and and so what I see in, in chats right now is that there are a lot of people like, oh, will, will this also work for mLoot? Uh, mLoot this, mLoot that. And I feel like because mLoot was like uh, free to get, it feels like these are like no one is really building on that. And I feel like that they're being left to the side a little bit. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, I also just wonder if it just depends on the purpose of like why something is being built like for something like crypto punks like it makes sense for that to be scarce like it, it literally just is like a a profile pick market <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of project maybe mm -hmm. they'll do more with it i don't know mm -hmm. but something like loot it seemed much more like hey we're gonna try to build this super vibrant massive community that's gonna build all of these awesome things all of these awesome games and i just feel like maybe that's at odds a little bit with like how many with just like its level of scarcity. And I mean, we've been looking into Axie Infinity just like as an example and just kind of thinking about like their land policies. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's almost like a little bit at odds there too with like you're trying to go mainstream, but you're also like potentially limiting yourself to almost like too much with scare resources. Um, if, you know, that scarce resource is the vehicle by which like uh, people are building on top of your project and making it vibrant. Like it's it's basically like the gateway <laughs> mm -hmm. to being able to justify um, lots of people coming and building. And you know, if you're trying to build a game, like you need to have like probably hit some type of critical mass for it to be worth it. So I just wonder like if the project almost like shot itself in the foot by like not enabling that level of critical mass in the first place mm -hmm. or I, I don't know I, it just comes back to whatever the, the purpose is but it seems like you know it and how it was built like there kind of was a purpose but then it was just handed over to everybody and in the same way that just like projects are scattered probably the purpose is too mm. yeah no, that's yeah. interesting but what do i know what do i know nothing <laughs> <laughs> we're winging this yeah <laughs> i mean like maybe another way to think about it which you know maybe puts the question of um, of scarcity uh, like is is that important or not? Is I mean at the end of the day, like if, if whatever number they chose for those uh, for those initial loot NFTs, the community has played it out in the way that they would have liked to play it out, right? Um, and and that's like just creating like more and more projects now. So if you I mean, if you do think about loot as, you know, um, just a set of Lego blocks, here's a set, mm -hmm. like, you know, do what you want. Some people decided to break the Lego block, one Lego block into two Lego blocks 
and you know even smaller pieces and then start like getting creative i mean would that have really changed if um it was 80000 to start with or if it was uh, like a million mm. you know um <clears throat> maybe the yeah maybe the point of critical mass is important because the acceleration to that critical mass could have been like you know that could have been faster but what the community wanted to do would like would that really change what the community really wanted to do with it anyway yeah i guess it changed who the community is um and who's involved in it but yeah oh, yeah i think that's fair i mean i just love experiments like this in the first place i don't think you can go into them like the whole point wasn't like hey we know exactly how this is going to work and how it's going to play out and we know that everything's going to be awesome it's, i mean it was much more like hey we have no idea how yeah, this is going to work yeah. but it's going to be yeah. awesome just to see how something like this plays out and mm-hmm. i'm sure like there are going to be lessons learned like nothing has done been done like this before so they're not going to nail it um you know on day yeah. zero with their decision making um so yeah i mean hopefully the people working around loot they can um you know be smart about how to change things but even if something comes you know that isn't loot but you know a later version of something like it can put like a better foot forward like maybe this is you know like the myspace of <laughs> of this type of project um which is really just setting the foundation for you know the next gen of 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 whatever once mm-hmm. it's more accessible to more people i think um, no idea yeah so i mean yeah to begin to that i think so first of all if if we would be talking about a game games company that had started exactly 2 months ago um like mm. if they had built what has been built on top of loot we'd be very impressed you know so we're like <laughs> we're, we're being being very very uh, strict here um yeah. second i think one of the like looking back maybe in a year i think one of the things that's that makes it hard for for a thing like loot to thrive is the fact that it's um on ethereum so the transaction fees are significant so one of the reasons for example um so i could mint like or distill as they call it a bunch of this mana right i have a bunch of of power items etc uh, the reason i don't do it is because it costs me about 50 bucks in transaction fees for each one of them um in gas on ethereum and so just that is stopping me from doing that and so if loot was um launched on another chain um could be a layer 2 of ethereum could be on solana or or something else with very low transaction costs i think like the whole story might have been different so that might be a lesson learned um and and this still might it might still mean that at some point you know most people of loot are going to you know um bridge their loot bags over to arbitrum or or any other uh, layer 2 solution on on ethereum right it it could still happen mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean so i think the 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 um, ethereum gas 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 fees are a significant inhibitant to like the experimentation and the cool stuff or the the types of games that people want to play um and apart from that a, a bunch of interesting stuff has been done right so we've we've done like we've decided the loot improvement process uh through voting so um every loot bag holder can vote and then they count the vote and then we well, make things go through so we have like a formalized uh, loot improvement process we've also um transferred 200 bags so basically what happens you had 8000 bags and 221 of them were like kept on i think a special contract or something for for the original um creator so dumb and so he kept 21 mm. and he put 200 back in like a community directed treasury that actually loot holders can decide what's done with them and so in theory with that we could ask 
any types of games company to actually build something and tell them, okay, you build something, we'll give you 50 loot bags, for example. Because if you build something, those loot bags will actually become worth more, etc. So the incentives are aligned. Um, and what we also did was we voted on setting the marketplace royalty. Um, so marketplace royalty means that right now I think it's 5%. So it, it used to be zero, but now 5% of each transaction for loot banks actually goes into a treasury that we can also start using um, in Ethereum then mm. to, to incentivize uh, to stuff happening. So there's cool stuff happening. And so I might sound very disappointed. I, I guess I had like super high hopes when it launched uh, at least a few weeks after. Um, now mm. it's just more realistic, I guess, but I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic. I'm holding on to my, my loot bags. I'm very happy with them. Very proud of them. Um, I've actually, I've actually, I haven't sh shared this with you, guys, with you guys yet, but I have my own um, NFT gallery. So, and oh, my mm, gallery is nice. also an NFT. And it's called, it's a website oh. called. On, oh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It, it goes very deep. Anyway, so it's called OnCyber, <laughs> and um, okay. OnCyber.io. It's called, and so my gallery is slash Nofor, so N O F O R. Um, and if you visit that, you'll be able to enter my. NFT metaverse. It's like a yeah, it's like a little gallery, and I, I display all all my NFTs. I have a bunch of profile pic NFTs, a bunch of art NFTs, um, and so uh, a bunch of my loot NFTs as well. Um, oh, fully immersive 3D experiences for your NFTs at, because gallery. Yeah, exactly. Uh. It's honestly like this stuff. This this made it oh, like shit. a lot okay. click for me, right? Uh, it's like holy crap! Yeah, this is how you can interact with this, right? Because you cannot have this a is, non NFT. Okay, there. this is like a full. Full like, yeah, this is like a full museum experience with spots. <laughs> I know. And yeah, okay. Of course, the first thing I see is Nico's profile picture. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's my most prized nice. NFT. Yeah. So oh, this is like super cool. Yeah. So listener, mm. uh, have a look. Um, there are way cooler galleries out there. That's just mine. Um, and I'm proud of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this, this made it click and I think uh, maybe we can move on from loot. I'm, I'm still down to talk a bit more about crypto stuff. So NFTs, I don't know if we already discussed the news that Twitter is looking into uh, verified NFT profile pics. Did you hear about that? Um, not really. All right. Well, what does that entail? Two pieces of news. So the one is, so first of all, um, you'll soon no. be able to give people tips, um, with Bitcoin on Twitter. So let's say someone tweets something that I really liked. I can, I can tip him using the lightning network. Yeah. So that's one that that's already pretty cool. I haven't seen it work yet. Um, and also Twitter announced that they would, um, allow you to have verified saw, yeah, NFTs as your profile mm -hmm. picture. So that would mean that that's, for example, me, I'm the proud owner of a crypto punk and I could use my crypto. So I'm using my crypto punk as my Twitter, um, avatar right now. Um, but anyone could actually do that. That that's, anyone can take my crypto punk, uh, like mm. right click save as and then take it for them and use it as a, a profile pic but the, Twitter will make it sure that you sign with your wallet that um, actually owns the the NFT and so that way if people see your profile pic and they can be sure that you own that NFT because you signed with uh, the keys that mm. uh, own the wallet that hold that NFT yeah that's pretty cool um, I've been pretty impressed with Twitter even just over the past like year of how they went from just being mm. so slow and not innovating on anything at all to working through their technical debt and just their, I don't know, their product team has just started accelerating what they are throwing out. It kind of feels like they're taking like a shotgun approach of just like, <laughs> like trying anything and everything. Um, and maybe some of it will stick. Um, some of it won't, but um, some of this is pretty cool. I think Jack Dorsey is maybe a little Bitcoin obsessed mm. for better mm. or worse. Um, and hasn't 
maybe one day he'll shift to be more like a multi-chain thinker. Um, but you know, if this rolls out as it does, that's pretty awesome validation for the lightning network. Um, and yeah. yeah, widens the addressable market for, you know, uh, just NFT profile mm-hmm. pictures, which I don't think, you know, three years ago, <laughs> like anyone really saw coming, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, the, the, you're saying NFT profile pictures, but it doesn't have to stay with that, right? It could be a game yeah. items as well. If you own a, like some, some very rare item in whatever uh, blockchain based game, you can also might be able to show it off in, in, in on Twitter as well. Yeah, I guess that'd be kind of weird as a profile mm. picture, but I guess people play status games mm. as they do. Exactly. <laughs> I I th- like to touch upon. I'd like to have your opinions on um because it's something I I would like ha- I liked to, or wanted to talk about for a long time already was basically um founder CEOs, um and the fact that like how strong they can push their vision. Uh, you talked about Jack Dorsey, and it's clear that I mean I, without Jack Dorsey, if like I don't think Twitter would have ever gone towards you know Lightning Network tips you know for through with Bitcoin, um and and. Uh, Jan um, talked about this, I think, in the, in the previous episode, where you know founder-led uh, companies, it's like a really big bonus in a lot of cases. And I guess it can swing both ways, right? Uh, it could be very good, or or when they, things go bad, they go very bad as well. Um, just like to have your thoughts about that, like Aaron, how do you think about companies like that have founder? Like, do, do you prefer that as well, or or what do you think? Yeah, I definitely do. Typically prefer that. Um, and there are a lot of advantages to having a founder CEO for one, like that founder has been there since day one and just knows the context of everything. And there's just a lot of learned knowledge and perspective just from that experience. Um, a lot of it also just comes down to like, typically like they have the right They're you know, they started the company with a core purpose and like a core mission. And the founder CEOs typically lean more mission driven than a lot of, you know, more mercenary CEOs or just hired CEOs that, that come later. Um, and you know, if you let someone talented, you know, pursue their purpose and mission for an extended period of time, um, lots of good things can potentially, potentially happen. And that normally creates stronger win-wins for, you know, everybody in the value chain from consumers to employees, to shareholders, et cetera. Um, and a lot of times they're just more incentivized too. Um, and that those incentives kind of paired with control in some cases also, um, can just lead to strong, like just like a stronger hand at making changes when it's necessary. And especially like in technology, um, where like the world is changing pretty rapidly. Um, and even like competitive advantages, they can like, um, weaken faster than in the past. Um, what is a competitive advantage a lot of times is having, um, someone at the helm who is willing and able to like steer the ship (laughs) in new directions when the time is called for. Um, and typically the founders who again, have more of the context, more of the person, more of the purpose and mission guided thinking, um, more of the incentives are the ones who are able to pull that off. Um, and I think we've seen that in, in many places. Um, and I think that will continue to, to be the norm going forward too. a lot of founders. Um, I mean, they're exceptions, right? Um, a lot of founders shouldn't necessarily 
run multi-billion dollar companies, they were good at starting the business, but then they might need to hand it over. Um, and sometimes founders aren't the best for, um, uh, you know, making big changes or they're like good at one particular vertical like technology, but now you need someone who isn't a technologist in charge to take things up another level. So, I mean, the devil is in the details as always, but yeah, founder, founder led businesses are, um, I think even if you've measured, measured them in the past, they, on average, they outperform non-founder led companies. Mm. And so there's definitely something there. Mm -hmm. What are like some, some of like some really great game industry founders that come to mind? Mm. I think Ilka Pananen is probably top of my list. Um, I'll probably butcher the surname of the next one, but um, Christian Zegerstralle Zeg, <laughs> uh, from you know X Big Fish and um... yeah, I mean, I would I would add Tim Sweeney is probably like the ultimate example of something like this. I mean, he mm -hmm. was there from day one he had he was very mission driven for a long time i mean no one is pushing harder on you know just the whole metaverse ambition um than someone like tim sweeney um he is in control he is heavily incentivized and i mean he's ballsy he's willing and, and because of that he's willing to do i mean like both like move the company and in new directions but also stand up to to other companies like apple in a way that i think most like hired guns wouldn't um so i think he he stands out above most to be honest um but i mean i'm sure there are are plenty of others mm -hmm. there aren't too many i would say that have kind of made it to more like the titan of industry status um i mean dave bazuki of roblox is probably another another one mm -hmm. of that caliber um, who, yeah, has been very like mission focused since day one and continues just to like hack away at, um, what he wants Roblox to become. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, those are a couple that like stand out above the rest to me, but there are, I mean, there are a ton of great founders that have built great studios and, and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Go yeah, no, I was just saying that at least for me, um, like a lot of what Aaron said about founder CEO, um, what makes them more successful on our, what makes their businesses more successful on average versus non uh, founder CEO led businesses. Um, at least for me, like it, I think it really comes down to maybe just one point, but the founder CEOs um, just want it the baddest, you know, or they want it the most, mm. or, you know, that, that fire like burns the brightest for them. And it's, it's also part of their job to like transfer that the same amount of brightness of that flame to everyone else, like in the company. But I think there's also like a balance, right? Um, as the company like continues to grow bigger, then um, no matter like how, how bright their flame is, uh, you know, shining for whatever they want to actually do. There's also now that their blast radius is increasing the more the company is also, uh, you know, uh, growing and, and therefore, um, yeah, like, you know, like how do you balance, uh, you know, where you want to take the company, uh, versus, um, you know, what also like, what would also make sense for like all the people that you're, you know, um, creating like their, their lives for, or, you know, generating, um, 
or, or maybe better way to say it is like <clears throat> yeah balance between like where you want to take the company versus like all the opportunities you're creating for you know uh, everyone else mm. who's part of the journey and um mm. yeah i don't know like <clears throat> I always question like Tim Sweeney's move actually uh, because of that like what was the blast radius of this uh, move that uh, that he did um the apple move you mean yeah like i mean sure like he had you know very good intentions for the broader developer ecosystem and things but like thinking about it from like an epic employee perspective um was it was it really the best move or or not um just from that blast radius perspective but <clears throat> why why would it not be what was bad for like uh epic employees well it's just more if it doesn't work <laughs> right if if they they're taking a huge swing at apple and they don't really get what they want and then you know fortnite still isn't on the exactly the app store unreal engine is maybe threatened or people are more hesitant about it for mobile devices um and you know, they maybe didn't get all the concessions that they wanted from the court case. Something like that, um, probably, okay. yeah. is, is more what that means. But, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's like one step in a long journey, yeah. too. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have the perspective of someone within mm. Epic, you know, just to know, how, like, how they see this. I'm, I'm, I can imagine them being, like, behind Tim and, and just saying, like, yeah, let, let's... I mean, because in the end, they're very aligned with each other, right? The, the management and, and the employees. Um, and and they would you know be able to do greater things as well if if Apple's opened up opened up completely. Mm. Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, all right. Um, yeah, we could start like a new topic. Uh, but yeah, we're almost out of time. I have our stuff as well. Um, do you guys have any like bold predictions you could make? <laughs> Mind you, if I would ask ask you a bold predictions, a bold prediction about free to play mobile games, what would you say? Oh my god. Um this is out of the blue. He did not prepare for this. Let's a see. bold prediction about free to play mobile games. Hmm. And Manu is, is known for not not performing under pressure. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like I don't know what what can I what can be bold about it? Um I mean, it's not it's not going anywhere. Um <laughs> uh What's going to be the biggest the biggest free to play genre in uh in 2 years? Mm. I would predict in terms of uh, in terms of downloads maybe it'll continue to be hyper casual and I don't know like the the news items around hybrid casual have started to increase in frequency which is kind of uh, interesting. Nice. Uh and, and what what are they calling they're it? They're calling it hybrid casual. <laughs> nice. You won, man. You won. Uh, and <clears throat> I think in terms of revenues, it's probably going to come from, I want to say the strategy genre or maybe even shooters. Uh, but on the strategy hmm. genre, I'm a little bit, yeah, there's like one part which I just I'm 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 not like fully wrapped my head around, which is you know uh, the marketing side of it after like IDFAs come into the equation and like what kind of impact mm. that's actually having to you know targeted um, advertising and strategy genres in general like are quite um, dependent on that. So yeah, so I'm a little bit skeptical. Like if anything would weaken uh, that prediction, it would this would be one point. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. 
it would probably be strategy and shooters i'm pretty curious about because again one thing i've not like fully understood because there's some secret that the shooter founders of today know that i i have not been able to grip is and like obviously we just see like all these shooter studios now getting funded for some reason i don't know why uh mm-hmm. so but that's interesting to see and i'm kind of like uh yeah i'm a little determined to find out what the hell are, are they seeing that i'm not seeing you know so uh but yeah Aaron, a bold prediction about the metaverse. About the metaverse. Okay. Um that's a big that's a big topic. Yeah, you can... Um <laughs> I I think that in 2 years we won't even be using the word metaverse much anymore. Um Ooh. I think that it's the information superhighway equivalent of the next generation <laughs> of the internet. Um, <laughs> and I think like, it, it, it's just a word that like, it almost like means too much at this point. And I mm-hmm. think it, it's like a great, a great framework for getting everyone thinking about, you know, the next stage of the internet across a bunch of different dimensions. Um, but I have a feeling, um, it's still just going to be the internet. It's just going to be, we're just going to be talking about it through different lenses of devices and, you know, payment mechanisms and experiences um, and things like that. And, yeah, we're not going to call it the metaverse. <laughs> I don't think it's still going to be the Internet. Um, and, yeah, in the same way that, like, technology goes through hype cycles, I think language does too. Mm. Um, and I don't know when peak metaverse discussion is mm-hmm. or, um, you know, maybe it'll go through ebbs and flows too. But, um yeah, I think we're probably close to the peak of that. I could be completely wrong if, you know, companies, because it seems like public companies are starting to talk about it more. Um, you know, Facebook is going to become a metaverse company. Microsoft is talking about building their enterprise metaverse, whatever that means. Um, Tencent is talking about, like, different metaverses that they're going to build and, like, different games. And so I think we're, like, no one is even aligned on what the definition of metaverse means. And if... No one is aligned on that. I don't think it's really going to stick. Not to say it's all. Not to say these things aren't important, but um, yeah, I think just the way we talk about it mm-hmm. will change. Some of it will happen. Some pieces will happen faster than we think. Like I do think probably like VR, AR. Um, like no one even talks about that. But in five years, like in the same way that everyone is starting to talk about crypto today, like that could be something that like has captured the industry's attention, many industries' attention. Um, but other things like interoperability, where, where everyone is thinking about all these crazy ways different experiences will interact and intersect, something like that, like I would be more like bearish on just because I think it's much more technically complex mm. than uh, most people realize. So I don't know, that's sort of a scatterbrained <laughs> answer, but I like it. hopefully that so makes what, sense. Maybe one for it's one like, for Nico also to round it up. But uh, and we'll we'll probably touch on Nico's favorite space. But <laughs> one bold prediction about uh, crypto gaming, blockchain gaming. Man, so I think that bold prediction um, within this decade, every game that's for which it would make sense to have blockchain items included um, will 
do it or have to do it because otherwise the users or players will will go to similar games that that do it um so especially i think this this would make sense um and this is very similar to the prediction that gabby made uh, in our, in our interview is that um every game or economy based game will have or will be blockchain based mm. uh where you know people can transact freely um can do way more than only you know do whatever the game allows them to do um in theory they also have the possibility to take tokens or or items out mm. etc um so that's that's my bold prediction there nice Manu, a bold prediction about Navik. Oh, that's good. We are going to be riding higher waves next year. <laughs> nice, that's good and safe. All right, keep, I'll take I'll it. Keep it safe, but okay. I don't know what that means, but it sounds great. It's, and I it's, can't it's wait relatively for it. positive, Aaron. So it's, it's probably it's probably it's Think, not bad. Let, let's agree on things that. Things will move up cool. and to the right. Poll prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I do think that um, you know, give it a year, eighteen months, people will probably think of Novik completely differently than they mm. do today. We'll just be doing different stuff, stuff that doesn't exist um, compared to what we have today, and it'll be bigger than what we have going on right now. That's what I would say. I mean, um, I know they're going to say they're going to say, "Oh, Novik, they're the one that actually launched a Metacast." Which is the most popular metaverse <laughs> podcast out there? If it is called the metaverse, no? yes, that point. exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> All right, good. That that rounds up this episode, um, dear listener. If you hated this, let us know. If you enjoyed this, let us know as well. Uh, very uh, always, very happy to have your feedback, uh, good or bad. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think uh, my new and Aaron did as well. Um, so yeah, uh, mm-hmm. let us know. Uh, if you have any more remarks or questions, please join our Discord, subscribe to our new- newsletter. Um, and with that, we uh, yeah hope to see you again in the next episode. Cheers. Bye.